0: In this month's bumper forest ramble we took Farwaz, JMI, Brazil, Colymore, Clough and Cash. The player, not the currency, and much much more. Thank you for joining us today. We are here with uh, Stephen Topless. Hello, Stephen. Hello. And the return of the Maradona of the Midlands. Hello. Hi there. Right. Well, so we did our, our interim emergency Forest Rumble Extra podcast um, when it turned out that the uh, American takeover had fallen through. And each us kind of knew it wasn't going to end there, didn't you? So let's recap. Well, that very evening, we heard that Philippe Montagnier had been sacked, despite the fact we'd not lost for the first time in ages. Not surprised, I think we'd agree.
1: Yep, We're totally expected.
0: Okay, and then uh, over the next week, the extraordinary occurrences being the the rather public mudslinging between the JJM, uh, sorry, the JMI um, consortium and Fawaz himself, um, Stephen. I mean, let's just take it for granted it's, it's, it's dragging the club's name through the mud um, but what did you make of all of that? Uh, I think
2: some of it was unnecessary um, it only added fuel to the fire that had already been started when Fawaz revealed that the takeover had fallen through um, and naturally people assumed that this was Fawaz's fault um, given the number of problems that we've, that we've encountered during his, his, his few years at the club um, but some of the revelations from
0: JJM were interesting mm. Yes, yeah, so Maradona in the Midlands um, Do you think that, I mean, like, I think we can all assume that everyone's playing games But do you think that maybe um, Moores and his consortium were being a bit disingenuous In the way that they were putting information out there? Well maybe, I mean that when they sent out that statement It did,
1: it did occur to me that Boris was being used as a as a chip in some sort of high-stakes poker game. Um, I mean, there's two sides to every story. Fouaz ha- has been roundly criticised by all Forest fans, it seems, since the takeover collapse. But we've got to be realistic here. He's invested a hell of a lot of his money into it. And he's not going to give it away for free. Um, even if he takes like, a round average fee of, say, £100 billion, um, ask him to walk away from that, But maybe, as the the latest reports were like, as little as £15 million, it just makes no sense. Um, It's like asking you or I to give up our houses. Well, we've already paid, say, £150,000 for a house, and we're walking away from it. And we say, what if I don't walk away with it? What's going to happen? Well, you're going to get abuse on Twitter from people halfway around the world. I say,
0: oh, I'll put up with that then. Um, He's not going to just walk away, I don't think. And Well, I mean, in that in that sense, there's no reason why he should. Like you say, he's he bought an asset, he's ploughed money into it, why should, why should he walk away? Um, however, he's also notoriously thin-skinned. So. <laughs> yeah, he, he is, mean, but I think £100 billion meets your skin a bit
2: thicker. And to counteract your point about the house and, and purchasing an asset, if you buy a house and the roof leaks... Um, and you you allow it to go into a state of disrepair over a couple of months. Its, it's value is. Not I'm just going gonna, to go just gonna chip in there.
0: Never mind the roof; it's the foundations that have gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but also what, what we're forgetting is
1: by keeping the club, he's got that still got however slim it might seem now that chance of getting into the Premier League and making all that money back in one year. And so just to have mm-hmm. that chance or not to have that chance. It's a, a bit of a no-brainer for us. That's why he was he was sort of determined to keep hold of even twenty percent of it because he'd get. But he I'm I'm assuming he was prepared to take back uh, a lower amount now, but with the promise that over the
0: long term he'd gradually claw that money back if Boris were going to go. But he didn't but, put a salon clause in Oliver Burke's deal or Mike, Michael Antonio's deal. So, um, yeah, basically, when there's an interest in it for him, then it changes, <laughs> yeah. changes a slant, doesn't it? Oh, I'm probably... I'm just playing devil's advocate there, obviously. Um, OK, and then, of course, we had his riposte um, via BBC East Midlands. Um, Natalie Jackson getting a lot of praise for asking searching questions that maybe she wasn't doing two or three years ago um, in that uh, famous expose of... For um, Golden Palace with Billy Davis um, also getting some criticism for the fact that actually at times she was interrupting Fawaz when he might have actually been about to answer a question um, can, can, you, can you even begin to sum up the interview that we saw uh, well I, I, for, for a
2: starting point I'm glad somebody's tried to give him a bit of a grilling it's long overdue um, and I think Natalie, by the tone of her voice and the way she was putting those questions across, she seemed as frustrated as a lot of the fans do at the moment. Maybe she's finally woken up and realised that the club is in danger and it is in a perilous position and questions need to be asked. Um, I'm just at the point with Fawaz where I don't believe a word he says. Mm -hmm. and The the whole interview was full of contradictions,
0: it was full of lies um, and it was full of excuses. Yes, I mean... uh, contradictions simply such as uh, you know Montagnier wasn't my choice when a few months ago he said Montagnier was my choice um, the idea that he said all of the Oli Burke money could go on buying new players and then he said I offered 6 million of it to Montagnier um, so there's those contradictions and what it does is it undermines already paper thin credibility doesn't it it does and not only
2: that he, um, he said at one point I don't blame anyone <laughs> for the mistakes that have happened at the club, it's my fault. I'm not putting the blame on anybody. And then, not but two minutes later, he blames a former manager
0: for spending too much money and he putting the club in. Named, was it? I think it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A certain somebody, uh, uh, the one who he gave carte blanche to, and then allowed his cousin to come in as a director, even though he wouldn't have passed the fit and proper persons test. That particular manager was it? That man, yeah. yeah, yeah um, okay. But of course, that wasn't Fawaz's fault. No. Um, and a man who also hounded out the very competent, if not necessarily popular, club hierarchy, um, who were actually providing that stability in terms of the administration of the club. That guy. That guy. Okay, right. We cleared that up then. Um, <laughs> Maradon the Midlands. Have you got anything to add on on, on the interview? Um, he just, it was a bit embarrassing. He, d- he
1: didn't come across well at all. He should have just said, "Look, I made mistakes." It should, he should have shown some humility, but. He was very defensive and it just he didn't, he didn't shed any light, any, I think we all knew what he, he was going to say. It, it would have been nice for him to indicate some sort of change in his personality, his way of thinking.
3: But
0: Well, he's, he's saying it. He's saying, no, well, no, no, is he is saying, I've, re- I've learnt, learnt a lot, I'm going to put the structure in place, he's appointed Sam Gordon as but his uh, the, director. The,
1: the things such as, oh the managers, where are they now, that sort of thing, it just really came across yeah. badly. Okay, he's not a trained politician or anything. So he, he's not been used to question question like that, but it just did come across badly. Um, and it, it just left me feeling a bit embarrassed about the whole well, thing. Well, yeah,
0: and uh, I mean, sort of, again, going back to um, Natalie Jackson's line of questioning, there's a bit of me as well that's kind of thinking, hmm, you know what? I'm just wondering if um, he agreed to an interview with Natalie Jackson knowing that actually a lot of us as forest supporters have accused her of being actually a little bit easy, a little bit sympathetic um, in her line of questioning towards us. So she's obviously been saving it up for at least four and a half years and then decided to kind of really go quite aggressively because um, he did look very rattled by the questioning, didn't he? Um, and maybe is a much tougher thing. Um, interestingly, does it make any difference, either of you, do you think, that the fact that the local media are now perhaps scrutinising the Fawaz regime and the national media, but local media in particular scrutinising the Fawaz regime in a way that wasn't before because we all know that generally local media kind of want to keep club hierarchies on side so that they can get the scoops, so they can have access to the club. Um, the Post said, you know, sort it or sell, up, sell it, for Fawaz, um, this week. Uh, Natalie Jackson's gone in with that hard interview. Um, Radio Nottingham are, they're keeping their powder dry in in official terms, but unofficially, you know, we've um, those of you who are on social media will have seen the journalists, um, uh, in particular Chippers, in particular um, David Jackson, um, making comments that make it pretty clear the way that they feel things have gone, um, and also, interestingly as well, um, one or two relatively thinly veiled tweets from Mark Dennison who's actually got a job at Forest. so um, so interesting, will that make a difference apart from possibly losing Mark Dennison a Saturday job it's important that they're doing
2: that now because Forest is a community interest, it means so much to so many people and it's the city's football team and it plays an important part, Not in,
0: County fans uh, might disagree with
2: you the county's football team <laughs> I think they are, um, but it, it plays an important part, it means so much to the people of Nottingham that I'm glad that they're finally now beginning to question the ownership and they're beginning to, to try and scratch under the surface of what's going
0: on. And this should have been happening a few years ago. If it had done, we might not have been in this mess. And in fairness, actually, we've been lucky in that there have been pockets of the national media um, who, you know, respected football journalists like Danny Taylor at The Guardian, like John Percy at Telegraph, um, who have taken an interest in Forrest um, Pat Murphy at the BBC who've taken an interest in Forrest and kind of given a bit of an inside track but maybe the fact that they are national rather than local means that they have the licence to be able to do that because they haven't got quite so much vested interest in trying to get weekly interviews in trying to have access to the players and the manager and so on So, um, but coming back to that question on the Midlands, do you think it'll make the slightest difference in Falaz's eyes? I think... I think cumulatively, I think it will. Because um, we've do, commented that he
1: seems to want to be popular. He, well, yeah. I, I just think the local media needs to put on the, the pressure just to keep, keep him honest yeah. and keep him straight and keep him on the track. I think this is where we're going to probably talk about it a bit later, but the Stan Collymore thing is going to mm. be helpful as well. Um, just that shining that light on him, using their profile, using the pressure they've got from social media... Uh, and their influence, it, it's the only way, really, of getting Fawaz to change, because otherwise it will just carry on as it is. Um, so, yeah, it is important that they do
0: that now. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned Stan Collymore's name, and um, we'll talk about him and Nigel Fluff
3: and things on the pitch in part two, but first, this. The Forest Ramble sketch by Jeremy Davis. This week, Fawaz Alasawi told the BBC that he didn't blame the Forest fans, Which is good to know, seeing as we all blame him. After a brief attack of humility, when it looked like he might be on his way out of the club, he was back on form, blaming almost everyone but himself for the club's troubles. When asked about the six managers he sacked in less than five years, he fixed the interviewer with a steely gaze and inquired softly, where are they now? Thus cleverly implying that the fact that none of them are now managing Real Madrid implies they weren't up to much, vindicating his decision to fire them and avoiding the obvious question of what it says about the man who hired them in the first place. Still, having said he'd got it wrong when it looked like the takeover was going through, he's now committed to sorting things out, so we can confidently look forward to more of the same. On the pitch, of course, things took a brief turn for the more cheery, with a rare win over fellow strugglers Bristol City, Ben Osborne doing his Matt Letizia impression. And we were treated to Solomon Ducari's Tony Yeboah turn in the defeat to Leeds, so it's been 90s nostalgia all the way. And Forrester jumped onto the Back to the Future bandwagon, with Stan Collymore and now Nigel Clough entertaining the idea of coming back to the club. Clough, who always had good vision, seems to have spotted an escape route from the Championship relegation zone, or at least from the frying pan into the fire. Although describing the idea as logical suggests he may not be in tune with life at the city ground these days, where, under Fawaz, logic has been kicked into the long grass. Stan may have changed his mind, but at least we have our interim manager to sing about. For a few weeks at least, it really will be like watching Brazil. The Forest Rumble, in association with gsmahal.co.uk all your workwear and uniform needs.
0: We ended part one by talking about uh, Stan Collymore, mentioning his name. Um, that's been interesting this week. Now, I've got to say that I was pretty cynical at the start of the week when Stan got involved. Um, it struck me, I mean, the phrase that, that Bows who was in the last podcast, used was... Mm, Strikers don't half have massive egos, do they? And it struck me as it being a bit of an ego trip from Stan. We all know that he's one of those who likes to be loved and he kind of of feeds off the trolls as well. Um, And he went in there, he joined the fans' protest um, and it seemed to me as though having been very vocal and critical in the past, all of a sudden he was trying to keep his powder dry, you know, what he said to... um, to Robin Chipperfield, I'm not saying Fawaz in, Fawaz out, I just want to, you know, get a voice, um, you know, have an audience with with the chairman, Um, and so all of a sudden he was trying to play the master diplomat, and then he had his meeting, and from that meeting, um, he reported back a few things, and he said, okay, well, I'd like to be a sporting director, and I think, I was cynical before, if I was cynical before, then I was... um, Let's just say I felt a bit vindicated when he came up with that sporting director thing. Stephen, what did you make of, that, of, the, of things up to that point?
2: <coughs> it, very much the same as you. Um, it felt as if Stan was uh, trying to curry favour with the Forest fans at, at, at a time when they were looking for somebody to help them out um, and, and trying to find a way out of the mess that the club is in at the moment. Um, And we know what Stan is like, being a very outspoken character and uh, not shy about his achievements in the game and and what he does as a broadcaster. Um, And it did feel like he was angling for a job at Forest, trying to work his way in and seeing Fawaz as a weak link that he could manipulate. Um, But I have to say, in the days that have followed and the revelations that have come out thanks
0: Mm -hmm. to Stan, my stance has changed. Okay, I mean, so just on that thing of, before we move on to that, Would you have wanted him to be the sporting director, whatever that might might be, at, at the club? Um, no, because it would have worried me, his lack of experience in that kind yeah. of role. And that's exactly what I was thinking, personally, is that the problem we've had is that we haven't had experienced um, and knowledgeable people in suited to the roles in which they've been taken in the club. Um, now... Maradon um, on the Midlands. You were slightly less cynical than I was. Yes, I, think I, was I, dis- to say.
1: I disagree. Having sort of followed Stan from, since he's retired from football, I, th- I think he does have a genuine affection for Forest, um, and I think his, his interest in Forrest to, in wanting to help Forest, is genuine. He, he, I think, he seriously does want to do it. And um, I slightly disagree with the sporting director thing as well. I think he probably is the sort of person who would suit that. It's not a technical Why? role. It's not a technical role. It's a sort of role that is. Uh, populated by people like Patrick Fivert at PSG, uh, the Bayern Munich hierarchy often um, install former high-profile players. It's not on a day-to-day basis, but just as a figurehead, a conduit between the board and the sporting departments. Ajax do it, Juventus do it, AC Milan do it. Is that what David Pleat did at Forest? I don't, know, I don't know what David Pleat did. David
0: Pleat—he was, was a football consultant, was his official title. So he had a part-time role. But uh, this, where is he complete,
1: was... this is a complete different thing. I think this is for, a, for the new age of media, media, social media, and everything. Stan is very media savvy. He is. Yeah. He's got the personality and the charisma to sort of be a figurehead. I think mm-hmm. that's Forest always need a leader. I like it or not, when Billy Davis was at Forest, whether you. Whether you agree with what he did didn't. he was that leader a club like Forrest isn't, yep. isn't so big that it can sort of survive on its own it does need that figurehead and that leader Agree. and I think he would provide that conduit and, he, and I think with his with his personality and um, he'd be able to keep Forwals in check as well so he'd be able to mm. highlight it I don't think he'd take any
0: rubbish from Forwals so I mean last time we were joking that Samantha Gordon as the finance director she'll last three months because she'll turn around and look at the books and then go hey yeah this is rubbish and then be out on her ear um, so you know, wouldn't it be the same with Stan? Well it's actually turned out to be that before he's even well, got well, a job I think,
1: I think what Stan said in the last 48 hours is, is slightly different he's, he's sort of uh, doing the ho- hokey cokey with it well, a little bit and, so you like know, in, yeah. out, in out and I
2: think you, going back to the point of the first part of the week I think it, people were a little bit cynical of this because we've had our fingers burned by Fowers. people were very trusting of Falaz and believing that he was a saviour and he was coming out and speaking to the fans and being very open and look how great I am look at the money I've got Mm -hmm. and it's not worked out and I think that's why people were a little bit cynical about Stan at first but credit to the guy like you say he's got that charisma and he's got that passion
0: that shines through Okay, just to interrupt devil's advocate Okay, so in the last um, 48 hours or so and we're recording on Saturday morning last 48 hours or so Stan came out with a very long and detailed Outline of some of the things that, you know, probably due to diplomacy and out of respect to the meeting he had with Fawaz in the first instance, he's come out and said quite a lot of interesting revelations. The one that we all suspected but has now been confirmed is that Hassan Al Saif has actually more or less been running the club. Um, and he's been the day to day kind of general manager, chief executive, and all of these kinds of things. But also that he's a very volatile chap, that he is someone who doesn't have expertise, um, he's not willing to listen, okay? but he is Fawaz's right-hand man in that in that instance. Other things that we heard, John McGovern and Frank Clark are perfect gentlemen and are perfectly professional, and um, that possibly comes into another, another debate as well. Um, now... We'll talk about some of that in just a second. I just want to put forward, and again, playing devil's advocate here, this isn't necessarily what I think. But isn't the way that Stan has done the hokey-cokey, as he put it, um, isn't that a sign that actually he's not suited to that kind of role because he is a bit thin-skinned? He said, "You know, I'm doing this because of the fans," and he said, "Well, the fans are criticizing me." So there you go. This is what actually. I think. Well,
1: I think the fans were extremely unfair to him though in, the, in that in that during
0: well, that week it we was, found, but we all know that, that football well people on social media generally but football fans in particular are basically idiots I think
1: I think <laughs> Stan starts sort of trying to find the path to take I don't think I don't think there's any set rules here he's not I don't think he's sort, sort of set off from the first of January thinking this year my ambition is to become sporting director at Nottingham Forest I think he's basically just playing it by ear he's as he's gathering more information from he's never met for a while before. But he never knew He didn't know what was What was going to happen How it's going to, What sort of personality he's got I think he's basically Playing it by ear I think he He genuinely wants to help And be involved Yeah um, He's not sure yet None of us are sure What role that will
0: be yet But mm-hmm. I think well, it's not like, going to be a role, because he... he um, I don't know if that's what you were just looking at there, Stephen, but he has just said that basically, um, I think he said it this morning, that, um, yeah, for Wals has closed the door on me after criticism, so as promised, I will give my time and info to supporters groups. Which, there you go. So Well, so if he's going to have to work from the outside.
1: Yeah, then, and, and then that's, then-
0: that's the thing. He's a, he, but interestingly, and we should thank him for this, he's had that glimpse onto the inside, and he's reported I back, see. and that's given a level of scrutiny that we haven't seen before and, you know, it's an unprecedented situation anyway, yeah. but now we've got this. And, you know, we've had the word crisis bandied about several times. It's no exaggeration to say that Nottingham Forest Football Club has never been an, in as big a crisis um, since 1865 as it is today. And so, actually, I, for one, welcome that level of scrutiny. Um, let's just go on to a couple of other things that, that Fawaz said. Um, John McGovern and Frank Clark Well, firstly, kudos to Frank Clark because it would have been very easy for him after the way he was treated in the first six months of Fawaz's regime to say well screw you then, I'm not doing anything but he's he's talked to Fawaz he's back in the fold, he's with his old mate John McGovern, no one's ever quite known what John McGovern's club ambassador role is involved, but it sounds to me from Stan's revelations as though actually they're, you know McGovern and Clark are doing their best to try and advise for us, to try and help him make good decisions. And it's just uh, obviously when it comes to decision making, though, know, there's only one kingmaker. Does that sound like a fair.
1: I think assumption? so.
0: I, I don't think he, he probably
1: listens to them that much, to be honest with you. I think they are basically just sort of corporate hosts, basically, on a, on a match day basis. Um,
2: well, we think... keep
0: we keep hearing, and, and not just from the club, but from um, from the BBC. Obviously, you know McGovern worked for BBC Nottingham for for several years, and they're obviously still in touch. Um, that McGovern does have a role to play in terms of trying to advise the club hierarchy of one, um, and and so yeah, I suspect that it's they they probably are there as as advisers, but they just I don't think they, he, they he, neither of them have
1: the force of personality. I don't think or those sort of personalities which are going to go. Head on to the and say this is complete rubbish. You yeah. can't do this. You do this, and I think also we've got to bear in mind they're both re- reaching retirement age. I don't think they've got the di- dynamism to um, be the sort of leaders that we need at the club um, and of, of the generation that we need to be installing in the key positions to
0: sort of lead the club forward. Um, I mean certainly that's the thing that's interesting about, about Sam Gordon um, she's got this background of being from a corporate background and then she spent several years as the finance director and, take it, and she's had various executive roles and she's done that role at, at Norwich City which you know is an incredibly stable and well administered club um, and you know a club that has seen success and sure it's, it's had times when it could have could have all gone wrong, but they've generally they've generally kept things quite stable. So, um, in theory, it's a great appointment. So we, we wait and see what, what happens with that. Um, Stephen, what do we know about Hassan El Saif? Um, he's one
2: of, I call him, one of Fawaz's hangers-on. He seems to be somebody who just turns up at the club. Mm-hmm. He's got no official title, mm-hmm. no official position, but seems to have... Uh, an important say in how the club's run, making important decisions, and um, and Stan was saying he's generally the day-to-day
0: de facto CEO yeah. of the club. And of course that means that because he has no official position, just like Jim Price was eventually kind of, everyone's kind of said, or general manager, but there's no fanfare about it, that means that there's no fit and proper person's test, there's no scrutiny on what he's doing, because officially he's not doing anything. No, and but the question to ask now is,
2: does that break ownership rules? Because if he is running the club and he's not a fit and proper well, person, he, he, surely the FA have got to step in and say... No, well,
1: what? The fit uh, and proper person test would only be, I think, would only apply to the actual owners of the shares, so that's for a while, so mm.
0: it wouldn't apply to... He, so which is why Jim Price... Couldn't be a director, but could be general manager. Be, they, can, they can employ yeah.
1: anybody they want, really. But he doesn't he, even employ... I mean, the other, thing,
0: the other thing I'd say about fit and proper persons test is you look at... It's not difficult to get around it. Chilino resigned chairmanship of Leeds for the period that he was banned and then took it on again um, straight after. So um, I think it's best... I mean, the other thing that's interesting in terms of scrutiny... And I have no idea how much... How... Of the veracity of this, but I saw something the other day which was suggesting that actually one of the reasons that when it came in it was the Al Hassawi family and it was cousin Omar and Abdulaziz and Fawaz and actually it was cousin Omar who was uh, who was the person who was kind of most under scrutiny because he was the chairman of the club in initially initially and then when he stepped aside because Fawaz was already director it meant that maybe he Fawaz didn't get the level of scrutiny I'm not sure if the testimony I, I, existed then. I,
1: I, I think it may have been introduced after that time. I'm not 100% mm. sure.
0: So it, but it's just, yeah. it's just an interesting thing. I mean, uh, we, we've always joked about, oh, do you remember Cousin Omar? Where did he go and everything? But the bottom line is, that is, uh, at the moment, we've got uh, a board of one. And so, again, it's these things whereby Cousin Omar's kind of airbrushed out. Abdulaziz, well... We didn't even know that he'd been airbrushed out, no. um, and so there's got to be some scrutiny going on there. I do want to um,
2: just come back to Hassan Safe. Mm-hmm. Um, a, an interesting point that Stan made. Mm-hmm. Um, he spoke about it in the statement he put out. He also put out a very interesting Periscope broadcast, mm-hmm. which is on his Twitter feed. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend going and watching yeah. it. Um, it's, it's a really good twenty minutes or so um, talking about Hassan. He said. Um, Stan's been in contact with Darren Robinson who's uh, the uh, technical director at Birmingham City works alongside Gary Rowett and the pair of them went into Birmingham at a time when the club was at a low ebb, it was a shambles off the pitch and they did some fantastic work to sort it out and we know where Birmingham were when uh, Rowett was probably unfairly sacked um, and the great job they did in turning that club around Stan says that Robinson was at Forest when he went to meet Fawaz um, and Robinson put himself forward for a technical director or director of a football role at Forest and this apparently angered Hassan that somebody competent
0: and professional was offering their services to the club. How did Robinson end up being there? That's something that we're not quite sure about. <laughs> I think it's
1: with that, the agent guy, uh, Jardine. So what's, what's the, um, yeah,
0: there was an agent guy involved as well. And so, but anyway, I think so, it's through him. And of course, you know, one of the other things that's interesting is that Stan also said that with Robinson being there, it meant that there would have been a chance um, if Robinson had been given a technical director role that maybe Gary Rowett would be able to come in, would be willing to come in at least in the short term as manager. Um, so that's interesting. Um, anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Have you got anything to add on that? Um, just to make the point that why should Hassan be having such an important
2: role at the club, or making or having a say on an important decision like bringing in a technical director? It's got nothing to do with him, really. Or is he just worried well, it's, it's that somebody part, well, competent is going to come in and step yeah, on his toes? That's part
1: of the things that, that has to change: is the, the, the hierarchy and the structure of the club that has to change in and the next couple of weeks. I and mean, if Waz doesn't, he's, i mean, fans are going to have to. Ramp up the pressure I mean I, I don't Agree with Sort of boycotting the games Or Anything like that Or doing Because that's just going to Harm the club in the long term <laughs> But If Boaz Proves that he can't change I think he's going to leave with The fans with no other option um, you, he, I mean that's the thing He's got the option now To sort of Make a fresh start Put com- competent people And take out all his cronies But if he still doesn't do it I think there's trouble Yeah help. I mean that's the thing mm-hmm.
0: Is that I I completely appreciate the difficulties in in, in a boycott because, yeah, it it hurts the club's income, it hurts the club in terms of supporting the players. And, of course, you know the match last week um, against Bristol City was a fine example of have a protest but then have a positive atmosphere which encouraged the players Um, and may well have seen them over the line in terms of keeping that clean sheet and getting that victory. Um, However... I'm not sure that Fawaz will listen to anything else other than the dollar. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it, does, it does create an interesting dilemma. Well, the, the best
1: way, the dollars good, that's what's going to hurt him if the fans are boycotting the game. I mean, this is the crazy thing about Fawaz. If he employed competent, professional people and not just his cronies, the club would be in a lot better financial state. And this is, this is a crazy thing about Fawaz and the illogical thing. I just, I just don't understand. And I think none of us understand as a whole... Whole body of Forest fans. Why he's done this? Why he won't grasp professional people in the professional roles? And they just, it just, we just got to hope he's to finally changes
0: now. Well, I mean, it's an easy stick with which to beat him. But you've got to say cultural differences. You know, there's parts of the world whereby. But you- Man City are from that parcel, and they, they, the owners there,
1: uh, Sheikh Mansour, he's never in yeah. England. Really. And they've transformed the club once I mean, or twice. They pr- employ very professional people. They have brought the best people in the world. To go yeah, on. and for Forest, with the money he spent, hundred million pound, he could have brought in people from Barcelona and Real Madrid to work at Forest.
3: You're listening to Unashamed, the debut EP from Confide. Listen or download at confidemusic.com.
0: It's been uh, tricky times off the pitch, as we say, definitely crisis time. Um, it's sometimes easy to forget that there have been things happening on the pitch and uh, as uh, JD um, alluded to in his sketch earlier, uh, we saw two extraordinary goals, one at the right end one at the other end Um, let's talk about the win against Bristol City, Um, I think interesting, you know, Gary Brazil came in and really went back to basics, let's get solid players, pros that I know I can trust let's Basically, what we could call the Dougie Friedman method. Let's get as solid as possible, work hard, and against a team like Bristol City, you've got a good chance because Bristol City, they're not in a good run of form, they're lacking confidence, they're lacking inspiration, and therefore, if we can be solid, then there's a good chance. And then you get that one moment of magic from Benny Osborne, and hey presto, three points. A good victory? A good
1: victory. Um, it, it does slightly worry me that we've not really scored from open play. For A long mm-hmm. time now, is it like five games or something? Six games, yeah, I've lost track. Um, the players, even in even the Montagna, they either seem to be able to defend, go for a defensive approach, mm-hmm. or go all out attack. There's no sort of happy medium there. Maybe no. we just we're lacking the quality in midfield to um, be able to defend and mm-hmm. attack. So that's yeah. the only thing that really worries me at the
0: moment. And then, of course, we flip flop to Leeds on Wednesday night, and uh, um, I mean, uh, an, an astonishing, you know. It was, it was rolling back to Tony Yeboah, wants it, that, that goal um, yeah. against us. But let's not forget, that was the second goal, and the first goal was more or less avoidable, as with so many other goals. In fact, I would say that that volley was probably <laughs> the only goal we've conceded this season that has been unavoidable. <laughs> yeah, nothing you could do about that. No complaints, it's a brilliant yeah. strike. So, But I think it also goes to show that we need to reconcile ourselves to the fact that the Forest squad does not have enough quality, because when you come up against a team like Leeds, who have got players in good form, have got, you know, a striker like Chris Wood, who's always looked like he should be much better than he is, and then this season seems to have finally cracked it, um, you know, you've got those types of things going on, you've got some tactical now from Gary Monk, you've got some stability there for the first time at Leeds under Chilino, Um and you know, he's made some astute signings as well. So we come up against a bit of quality and ultimately we fall short. Is that a fair assessment?
2: It is. And don't forget, in the last two weeks, we've lost our real quality player in Henry Lansbury. Yep. He's gone to Aston Villa. So we're going to be missing him in the midfield for a while. Um, but yes, exactly that. The squad isn't good enough, the players are not good enough at the moment. Um, what I thought was interesting was In the Bristol City game Gary Brazil played only one summer signing mm-hmm. And that was the goalkeeper mm-hmm. Henderson
0: He went back to players Who were already at the club Before this summer um, And they asked him they was asked about no it In the post-match interview Didn't they? And, and he yeah. said No it's just that I needed players Who I could trust To be kind of solid and reliable The other thing that was interesting Was Danny Fox's post-match interview Saying about how the training Under Montagnier Wasn't to the level That he'd expect at championship level Now I think for the um, Dumitrus and Leakers of this world, then that's going to make life very difficult because they didn't have a pre-season with the club. They've not been training at the level you need to for the championship and that could be why Gary Brazil... Kind of. So maybe they've not got that work ethic for the championship. But also, they're not very
1: good. I think we said that when we, when they we signed those three players, we said well, I hope we do well, but we said they're not. Well, they we were stopgap signings. We said, really. we, said, we said at the time they're not going to be any good, and we, and we knew it at the time. And but great. they
0: weren't for us choices, and he's going to sell them. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, yeah. I mean, we're we're lacking now. Of course, the bright spot this season has been from the kids. Okay, Benny Osborne, Matty Cash. Um, we've seen Ben Brereton come on for his debut in the last few minutes of the match on Wednesday night Cash has been impressive
2: this season and He's a player who you can see him learning all the time He seems to be taking on information about his positioning and yeah, his play quite, quite regularly yeah, throughout just
1: the season You can see the personality in his play as well on the pitch that's, that's, Good players need that, got to, you, you can sh- he shows that bit of spark about himself yeah.
0: And of course it was the same with Joe Woldt Jack Hobbs, injured again, our best centre, I, I think we've conclusively, pro- conclusively proven in the last few days that he is our best centre-half in terms of ability and reading of the game and knowledge and know-how, but he just cannot stay on the pitch for three or four games in a row.
2: He's a player that we need to manage carefully, uh, reminds me in many ways of the L- Ledley King and how Tottenham... Managed him during it later in his career certainly mm. when the injuries took their toll and we maybe need to be like that with with Hobbs pick and choose the games that he plays or we just play him on a Saturday and he doesn't train through the week because we need him like mm. you say he's our most important centre back the best at the club his stature and, and his th- the
0: best way I can. The best compliment I can pay to Jack Hobbs is that when he plays, whichever defenders are playing around him look twice as good. Yeah. So that's why Jamal Lasells came on so well in that first in his first full season in the team because he's playing alongside Hobbs. That's why Matt Mills has suddenly gone from being you know really dodgy to being actually someone who can do a good job at centre half. That's why Mance looked good when he came. You know. Um, so those are the kinds of things. When and all of a sudden, when you've got Mance and Fox playing at the back, then you're kind of thinking, well, where's the authority? Um, you know, both experienced players, but they don't have that kind of level of, of, of authority and assuredness that Jack Hobbs does. So that's a really big loss. Um, now, we talked about some of the stuff on the pitch, um, sort of related to that. Nigel Clough, do you want him back? After what happened to Stuart Pearce, another club legend,
2: I'm still not convinced. Um, But given the position Forrester in at the moment, um, and you look at the job Clough did at Derby in similar circumstances when they were near the bottom and they needed to to ship out big earners and and sort the club out and try and put a stable footing in place, yes, he probably is the right man at the moment. Okay, And he's going to galvanise the support as well because it's Nigel Clough.
1: Um, Yeah, I I mean, just purely on an emotional level, I'd love to see him back. Um, And on a logical level as well, yes, he's, he's... Got experience of the championship, he yeah. knows how to work on a budget. He, yeah. The only, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of Forest fans are saying they don't want him back uh, because we might sack him, but I don't think Stuart Pearce's reputation has been
0: harmed that much. He's still a club legend after he after left Forest. Uh, yeah, but I, I th- now I think that I, I'm on the side of the defence, I don't want him back while, for, while the current regime is still in charge because it's not just about reputation, it's about. What, why burn your bridges with someone of that stature? Okay, we know that Nigel is a competent manager at this level. But in terms of his management ability, I think all the things that you talked about there, Stephen, I'm thinking, yeah, Dougie Friedman was doing all that and we sacked him. Now, obviously, there wasn't the same level of emotional tie there. So he probably would get sacked because Forrest wouldn't be playing exciting football and they wouldn't be challenging for pro- automatic promotion in the first season. Also, it's that thought that Stuart Pearce wasn't given a chance because of the lack of structure. He tried to put structure in place, and then I I still maintain that actually Stuart Pearce, what they should have done, and we've had this argument before, so I don't want to go into it again, but what they should have done is actually get in... a director of football, or a, or actually even better, a first team coach to work alongside. Well, sides I it. think
1: Stuart Pearce himself actually would yeah. have been the best
0: director of football because yeah. the
1: decisions he made off the field in those few years were very were, good. The very signings good. he made, the players he shipped out, the structure he tried to implement—he just wasn't given enough time. Yeah,
0: but it was his coaching that actually let him down. Well, I mean, it? even,
3: even it's, it's,
1: it's been—I mean, he did have those players in the squad then that would play when they wanted to. I yeah. mean, Lansbury he's gone now he's, mm-hmm. he's had, well, I've been one of his fiercest critics yeah. he played when he wanted to and he, him and one or two other players Antonio yeah. they yeah. just they, were guilty, they, they let him down and I think it, it just took the power away from the manager again by sacking him and gave it back to the players if we stuck with him for another year
0: or two, God, uh, who knows where we'd be by now? It's, um... Well, it's that well-worn thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's like how you're going to find out if you, unless you actually yeah. give the manager a chance.
3: Yeah. Um, well, we
1: were only like 12th or 11th in the league. It was, it's been written as a complete disaster that well, went for like, Stuart Pearce. It weren't that bad. No, we... yeah, and I, w- I want to put that onto the fans as well because while there were many fans who were behind
2: Stuart Pearce all the way, and I think the three of us were. There were a lot of fans out there who were making their voices heard that they didn't believe in Pierce's ability. There's a lot ability. of
0: hyperbole, wasn't there?
2: There was. is the worst team I've ever seen. Well, we hear that every bloody season, don't yeah. we? And I'm thinking, this is Stuart Pearce. This is a club legend who gave 12 years of service to Forrest, could have left for bigger clubs, could have left to earn more money elsewhere, and we didn't show the same loyalty to him that he did to us as a club throughout his playing I mean, career. I think it's
1: the problem that we've had throughout the Forest regime where it's the sort of... Kids on Twitter who sort of the voices are yeah. heard loudest and who
0: sort of disproportionately represent the fans. And of, course, and of course, and of course, the kids are on the kids on Twitter who don't remember Stuart Pierce, yeah. the kids on Twitter who don't remember I'm Nigel who, don't uh, th- they, um, so Lost Lost or Stan
2: Collin, or giving him abuse. Yes. And there
0: yeah. weren't the fair, fair
2: share of people who were around when Pierce
0: and Clough were at the,
2: the club and doing wonderful things for Forrest. Uh, but yeah. I'm just worried that that's going to happen to Nigel Clough I, again, I, and I don't want to yeah, see another legend we could go through that.
1: Maybe five or six of those ex professionals from the 90s who've who've done good jobs. You've got people like Brian Roy, Scott Gemmell's doing great things with youth football now. Uh, Well,
0: our own Jack Jack Lester. Jack Lester, Stuart Pearce, Nigel Clough. um, And interestingly, that thing that you're saying about 90s professionals, and again, if we talk, going back to that thing I was saying about Samantha Gordon as a finance director, people who've actually watched the evolution of the game over the last 20 years from being. Uh, you know, from being football into what um, the lost that loving Feeling site called Cash Dash, Um <laughs> You know, and they've seen that evolution. So in a way that maybe you're cynical about whether McGovern and Frank Clark can can kind of oversee that. Um, so there is something to be said there. Um, the it comes back down to, and I, I know that I'm going back to matters very much off the pitch here, but Gary Rowett and Paul Heckingbottom, Heckingbottom very, very publicly saying. Why would I go to Forest now? What's to be gained? That's right, yeah. Okay, and uh, to me, I think that says it all. It, well, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the people are
1: saying, well, Nigel Cluffy's at the same position where at, as Forest are, what's he doing in management? But we're not going to get a top level manager at the club. In the foreseeable future. Uh, no, it's, the only reason we get Nigel Clough is because of the emotional tie. Yeah, I don't think we get another champion. I'm amazed there, he's even thinking about yeah. it. to be honest. But I think what I've heard from Burton Albion fans is he's it, not particularly popular
0: there at the moment. He's it, not. He's not been massively popular a, a
1: it's, anywhere. It's because
3: the
0: style of football. Yeah. It's, it's which
1: is strange. It's it, the, the Friedman conundrum, isn't it? It's because yeah. of the, the way of the style of player he was. You'd think he'd be all into passing football. Yeah. Total football almost. And his team's always been quite direct. I don't know whether that's because of it. They've been a bit dour. Maybe it's due to the limited resources he's had. And if he had good players, he would suddenly become a a more expansive style of play. But he's he's not particularly popular at Burton. And the fans And he certainly wasn't at Sheffield United. Yeah, and the the, the only reason he's maybe at the club now is because of his past history there and because of Phil Robinson, the um, chairman, chairman, who won't sack him
0: whatever happens. So uh, that's why it's maybe Nigel's. But, set, but well, you know, objectively, if you look at it from, from the outside, though, everyone's going, Nigel Clough's doing a great job at Burton. He got, you know, they're promoted. He's, they're, they're putting in a decent show of themselves They, they they're, they're, Their fans suffer from the same delusion that every other band does, where they yeah. think they should
1: be top half of the championship, and they don't look at the size of the club. It, it's basically a non-league club playing in the championship. Yeah. And their fans are suffering from the same delusion that our fans are... And Football fans around the world Around the world are these days Yeah yeah.
2: And um, To look at it simply He's been the main reason why Burton Albion Are where they are now He got them into the league in the first place Admittedly, Rowett and Jimmy Void Hasselbank Got them through League 2 and League 1 Clough finished off the League 1 promotion season of course um, But it is well known that he would like to come And manage yeah. Forest. There is that pool there um, and that's probably why, even with Fawaz at the club, he will still manage Forest because when is he going to get the opportunity to do yeah, it? That's
1: right. There's, these opportunities won't come along. This might be the last chance he gets. Yeah. And the managers, he's been a manager for quite a long time now. He's, he's really outlived his
0: life as a manager. It's, um, it's, well, so that, that prompts another thing. So if there is a regime change at Forest, you know how likely that is, whether it be with Fawaz as the owner... Um, stepping aside and actually allowing the club to be run in the way that he's promising again or whether it be with a a new owner and a new club hierarchy um, you know that's the only way we'll get decent manager but also if that is put in place then all of a sudden it might be a good idea for Nigel Cliff to come in, it might be a good idea for Stuart Pierce to come back as a director of football, it might be a good idea for Stan Collymore to come in as as a sporting director or whatever because they will be given the time and the allowance and the goodwill, um, and hopefully that, that sort of um, that uh, commodity of stability, time and, and kind of um, the room to do their jobs, that that wouldn't happen under this current regime. But we're not the only club who would say that in terms of providing the manager with the opportunity to do his job. Thank you very much to Stephen Topless, to the of the Midlands, and to Jeremy Davis. Um, we'll be back uh, at the end of next month. In the meantime, come on, you Reds.